0: Recorded live. This is Larry Phillips, and I'm going to be doing a Bible study on Isaiah 27. And uh, we're going to uh, be doing that, uh, and hopefully, it will be a blessing to those who uh, take a listen on this broadcast this afternoon, and my son Mark Phillips has agreed, since this is a relatively short chapter, uh, the 13 verses, uh, so I'm going to hand the headset over to Mark and have him read the 27th chapter of Isaiah. In that day the Lord with his sword and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. In that day sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me, who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them, I would burn them together. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come with Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Hath he smitten him as he smote those that smote him? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? And measure when it shooteth forth, thou wilt debate with it. He stayeth his rough wind, and the day of the east wind. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin. When he maketh all the stones of the is chalk stones that are beaten in, Sunder, the groves and images shall not stand up. Yet the defense cities shall be desolate and the habitation forsaken, and left like a wilderness, there shall the calf feed, and there shall he lie down and consume the branches thereof. When the boughs thereof are withered they shall be broken off. The women come and set them on fire, for it is a people of no understanding. Therefore he that made them will not have mercy on them, and he that formed them will show them no favor. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcast in the land of Egypt. And shall worship the Lord in the holy mountain, Jerusalem. Thank you, Mark, for doing that for me. I appreciate, I appreciate that, and uh, the appreciate Mark reading the scriptures for us. Now, this chapter, uh, the twenty-seventh chapter of Isaiah is really all about the care of God over his, over the church, the vineyard. And it's also talking about how that his chastisements differ from judgments. In other words, God chastises his people. But he brings judgments upon the heathen nations. And um, then, you know, we see that the church consists of both the Jew and the Gentile. And uh, he. so this chapter really refers to uh, the, it's also a prophetical utterance of the last times and what, what will be done to those, uh, you know, it shows the destruction over the uh, anti-Christian powers, Satan, as the head of them, and also talks about how that the church is going to be uh, continuously having peace and prosperity and flourishing because of Christ. And of course, this actually gets into the ruin and destruction of the city of Rome and its whole inhabitants and the whole jurisdiction of that Babylon, that beast. And how that um, both the Jews and the Gentiles are going to be ministered to by the gospel, the good news of what christ's finished work is done, and uh those who are his elect you know will subscribe to it so that's really what this is uh is all about, and uh, it's a beautiful thing to realize that Um, that and many people have we often have to be reminded of these things that we cannot uh, we cannot (laughs) we cannot do anything without God's uh, continual uh, hand upon us without his redeeming grace upon our hearts and upon our minds and upon every aspect of our lives. And uh, he says, In that day the Lord, with his sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Well, we know that that serpent, another, you know, oftentimes a serpent is referred to Satan, and uh, we can go back to the uh, 74th uh, Psalm. I'll just go back to that uh, real quickly, and we'll see a good parallel to this particular verse. Let get back there quickly here. Psalm 74, he says in um, verse 13 and 14 of Psalm 74, he says, Thou didst divide the sea by the strength, Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan, in pieces and gave us him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness and uh, um, you know so the sword of the spirit of course uh, is the word of God um, and we know that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword you know Ephesians 6.17 and uh, so, this, of course, uh, you know, we know that uh, it, the the uh, Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Edomites, the Romans uh, were all involved in coming against God's people. And we notice how also that he had punished Pharaoh. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you know what happened to Pharaoh? He was drowned in the depths of the sea, wasn't he? And uh, when we fast forward it to today, um, the Roman pagan dragon in Revelation 12.3, the papal system, the beast, uh, gives his power to that which rose out of the sea and another out of the earth, which spoke like a dragon, Revelation 13.1 and 13.2 and 13.11. But uh, this also can be comparable to the serpent and the dragon that's mentioned here for their cruelty and their poison and um, you know it says that he will be bound a thousand years and so on, now I don't subscribe to a uh, a millennium I believe that when Christ comes back we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord forever and with the Lord in the air I believe that's what scripture teaches there are people that, of course, disagree with me about that. Um, but anyway, the second verse says, In that day, sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. Now, any time that he talks about the vineyard here, it's usually referring to um, the Church of Christ under the gospel. Uh you know, a vineyard is a spot of ground separated from others. <laughs> well, isn't that what the church is? It's it's a, it's a territory that is uh, uh, is really uh, Christ territory. <laughs> you know, a people that are separated from the rest of the world by electing and redeeming them, and uh Uh, calling a calling grace. You know, a particular people that have been congregated by Christ, set forth out of all tongues and peoples and nations, God's remnant. And, uh, we see also the Song of Solomon talks about this bride of Christ. And, um, It's by Christ's own choice, by the Father's gift, by an inheritance, by a purchase. Um, And so it's under his care. This vineyard is under his care. And, uh, you know, it brings forth grapes, produces some of the best wine there is this church. And uh, that's evidenced by the graces of the Holy Spirit, you know. And so we go on to the third verse. It says, I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. This is God's protection over the vineyard, the church. You know, not only are his ministers... (laughs) protectors of it, hopefully, if they're true ministers of God, but by his own self, his own power. Because unless he keeps it, you know, it will not be kept. You know, God's the only one that keeps his church and people. And uh, he reigns over his church. And he reigns over Satan's temptations. I mean, tem- Satan's temptations would destroy the vineyard. I mean, and the malice of the world, and the poison of all these false teachers out there. Um, you know, we would be absolutely... We couldn't last one moment as his vineyard if it wasn't for Christ, you know? And... Um, this is being done every moment, every second of our existence. God's grace is constant in regard to his people. And without continual grace and a constant effect by Christ, would this garden ever bring forth any fruit? Would this vineyard ever bring fruit you know? You know, Satan likes to get into the garden, and he likes to send his adversaries in to try to tear up the plants. And says he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And uh, but the Lord is able to undertake and to keep His church. You know, it's what it says. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And uh, so now we're going to go to verse 4. He says, Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. God takes so much care of his church and the people whom he has loved with an everlasting love you know we're we're deserving of his wrath but he's appointed us he's appointed his son to bear the wrath for his people you know the vineyard his people are only justified by his blood and righteousness yes the lord chastises us for our sins and uh but there is a difference between chastisement and what he does to the heathen in judgment upon them. And so there is a big difference between that, isn't there? Now, let's go on to verse 5. He says, uh, Or let him take hold of my strength, that he make peace with me, may make peace with me, he shall make peace with me. You know, Who is the rock of defense of the church? Who can the saints rely upon to be safe? In Christ we have our righteousness and our strength. To him is everlasting strength. So really the sense is the people of God in any one of them uh, are afflicted and chastised. Um, But you know what? He always does this because he loves them, because we're not bastards. And he would make peace with us. He shall make peace with me. Peace shall be made with me. You know. Jehovah's strength will make peace with all of his people, all of the vineyard. It's not in our power to do it. You know, it's not by our own faith or our own repentance or our own good works. But Christ is the power of God. You know, by the blood of his cross. He's the only peacemaker. And this is what brings our the church reconciliation to God. So, every providence of God is directed toward the love of his vineyard. There's no wrath against his chosen ones. Now, number... 6 says, He shall cause them that to come to Jacob take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Well, who's going to cause them that come to Jacob to take root? He said, Jacob have I loved before he was even born, not having done any good or evil that the purpose of God According to election, my stand Jacob, have I loved the posterity of Jacob, <laughs> the seed of Israel, uh, in a spiritual way. Uh, there is no guile in them. In other words, they have been they have been rooted and grounded in the love of God in Christ. You know. Firmly settled and established in his in his bride, in his church. And uh and you know, he says Israel shall blossom and bud. That's he's talking about his people there. You know, the fruits of grace and righteous imputed righteousness shall appear upon his people. In all the parts of the world, every tongue, every people and every nation. And, uh, you know, now we're going to go on to verse 20, um, sorry, verse 7. Hath he smitten him as he smote those that smote him, or is he slain according to slaughter of them that are slain by him? <laughs> no. The Lord doesn't smite his people by afflictive, uh, afflictions and stuff, um, uh for judgment, yeah he smites them, you know he'll smite them in their families and stuff um, but look what he, how he smote Pharaoh. Not only did he smoke Pharaoh with ten plagues, and him and his hosts were were uh cast into the Red Sea. Uh, but God does not utterly destroy his own vineyard. He will chastise them at some at times. So God deals differently with his own people than he does the heathen. He has no real fury toward his own people. But he does stir up his wrath against his enemies, you know. And... Uh, we look during the total uh, epoch uh, of the 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 uh, end times. We see the prophecies that God is going to come under slaying providences. In other words, um, there's going to be a great number of deaths, uh, both by the Roman uh, pagans and the papal system, and uh there's going to be a slaughter will be made of the Antichrist and his followers against Christ's people, but that isn't going to affect their spiritual nature at all now, going on to verse eight, in measure when it shooteth forth, thou wilt debate with it. He stayeth his rough wind in the day of the east wind. well. You know, God is over the wind and the rain and the sea and, you know, there's many people that have tried to uh, mitigate the storms, tried to control the storms and all of this. But when God sends his afflictions, <laughs> um, I mean, he's the one that holds the winds in his hands. And he's the one that stops the winds. He's the one that abates the forces of the winds. And he can still the winds. You know. But sometimes he will bring afflictions and storms and all these uh, to Christ's people to actually admonish them of their sins. Um, and also sometimes it will remove people that are in the midst of the church that are false professors, bad fruit. It will actually remove those people from his people. And um, now let's move on to verse 9. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged, and this is all the fruit to take away his sin. When he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones, and are beaten in sunder, the groves and images shall not stand up. What does he mean when he says, by this, therefore shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged? Well, how was our iniquity purged? How was our iniquity purged? We're Jacob. Or the people of Jacob, how was our iniquity purged um, through the atonement you know that's the only way that god's divine justice could be satisfied was through the atonement through the substitutionary atonement. you know God also brings the lord's people to a sense of their sins, and he brings them to repentance and humiliation and confession and leading them to the blood sacrifice of Christ. And that's what expiation means, an atonement, which the Spirit of God brings and applies upon them. So many times, though, they are brought to conviction, though, Spirit uses conviction through affliction. which You know, I mean, I know that happened with me. It laid heavy upon my conscience, my sins. And, um, but God says that he has taken our sins as far as the east is from the west. You know? They are beaten us under, in other words. You know? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are uh, in the image. You know, it says, the groves and the images shall not stand up. You make of all the chalk stones as a, that are beaten in sunder. Well, one of these days, you know, we see all this idolatry right now. Remember when the Jews, uh, after their return from Babylonian captivity, um, they began to practice idolatry. And, uh, One of these days, you know, Christ tells us that in the latter days that the Jews are going to look upon them whom they have pierced, and they're going to mourn. They're going to renounce all this legal sacrifices. They're going to renounce all the traditions of the elders, their Phariseeism. They're going to renounce their own self-righteousness, their idols, and at that time they're going to look alone to Christ. And they're going to declare all the idolatry of the Church of Rome and all this anti Christian worship and all this Arminianism and Free Willism as idolatry. That's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna do. Uh, if they're truly God's elect, they're gonna come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things. Now we're ready for verse 10. Yet the defense city shall be desolate, and the habitation forsaken and left like a wilderness. There shall the calf feed, and there shall he lie down and consume the branches thereof. Well, you know, we could look at some passages in Revelation You know, if you want to look at Revelation 18.10, you can see here that this is speaking of um, the anti-Christian Babylon will be destroyed. Okay? It's going to be utterly destroyed one of these days. And, um, you know, the... Messiah is gonna take vengeance against the Edomites and the Roman system one of these days. It's gonna be brought down. Babylon is fallen, is fallen, you know. That's what it tells us. It's what scripture tells us. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And it's become, you know, extinct. Now, verse 11 tells us that um, for some reason my computer has decided to lock up. I'll tell you what, the the good Lord does not want this, uh, or somebody doesn't want this broadcast on because it's been stopped several times. But if God wants it on, he'll allow this computer to become unstuck so that I can move on, because I cannot do anything if it's going (laughs) to be stuck into this mode. I'm still recording, but I can't move my mouse, so I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and go through this last two verses. We got down to the last two verses of this, and it was stopped, wasn't it? Okay. Number 12 says, and it shall come to pass in that day, and now I got it back, so I guess the good Lord wants it to be on here. We're going to go down now to verse 11. When the bows thereof are withered, they shall be broken off. The women come and set them on fire, for it's a people of no understanding. Therefore he hath made them, will have no mercy on them, and he that formed them will show them no favor. Notice here, isn't this interesting? It says that the women came and set them on fire. The women came. The women came and set them on fire. You know, what exactly is it talking about here? Well, you know, are the women coming in to the house of their gods and teaching them, you know. (laughs) Yeah, the women are coming in. It says the women will rule over them. And you can also see that if you want to go to Revelation, we can see that that Jezebel, they suffer that woman Jezebel to teach. Okay? This is a people of no understanding. You know, they have no understanding of God and divine things, of the scriptures and the doctrines. And they're under a judicial blindness. And God has given them strong delusion to believe a lie, Second below, Thessalonians 2.10 and 11. You know, his wrath is going to be poured out on them. You know, and, and you know, it's amazing. People today, now they're ordaining women in the churches. They're allowing women to usurp authority over the men in leadership. And uh, you don't think that this is any relevance, that the the women are the ones that come and set them on fire? You know? Commonly done with withered branches, you know? We find that the Antichrist himself is signified by a woman. <laughs> you know, so the, in verse Revelation it says, the ten kings that shall hate her and burn her flesh with fire may be signified by women. Uh, look at Revelation 17:18. Revelation 17, verse 18 says... And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Okay. And we also see in Revelation 14.10, go back to that, Revelation 14.10, he says... Um, that same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture in the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. Now we go back to 18.10, and it says, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication live deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament for her, when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Speaking of Babylon. Speaking of Babylon. And we, if we look back in Revelation 16, uh, we see this, uh, the whole thing about the vials of the wrath of God being poured out upon these uh this situation here. But, you know, we can also look in, uh, it says, in Revelation 17, it says, um, it says, so he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman. Okay, a woman. We're talking about the woman come and setting them on fire. Okay? saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-covered beast full of names of blasphemy. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and so on. And in her hand were full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And in her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration for her. And so on. So we see this woman... Says in verse 18, and uh, the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And so we see that right now. We see that. Now we're going to go to verse 12 in Isaiah 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel. Uh, of the river under the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. Well, again we've talked about how that God takes particular care of His, uh, He takes particular care of His church, of His vineyard, and uh, you know He's going to beat out the grain. He's gonna separate the tares from the heat the wheat eventually, and also uh eventually all of his vineyard, all of his children shall be gathered one by one you know and uh they're gonna be brought all together. he's gonna to beat everyone off else off that are not truly his. And um, then, finally, as we look at verse, the last verse of this passage, he says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcast land of Egypt shall worship the Lord in the holy mount of Jerusalem. Well, when the Lord says that he's going to do something, it will be done. And this is this speaking of the sound of the last trump? I think it could be that great trumpet shall be blown. you know We see examples of the trumpet being blown in many times and so on, but also it could be respect to the gospel trumpet. in other words, the good news. a joyful sound. The sound of love and of grace and of mercy through Christ. Isn't that true? is that true? Um, God is great. And he, uh, he proclaims and publishes great things to his people. And only his elect can receive them through the Holy Spirit's quickening. And... Um, so this is that great trump. You know, the good news to those who are poor, perishing sinners and find themselves trusting in the completed work of Jesus Christ and his righteousness to cover all of their sin and iniquities. Those are the ones that are going to worship in the Holy Mount at Jerusalem. You know... And so this really is a proclamation of uh, God's election, His care for His vineyard, care for His church, His protecting hand over them and His victory in bringing and preserving them and finally bringing them into the spiritual land of Canaan, which is the New Jerusalem. So I hope that this has been a Uh, edifying as we've studied through this chapter on 27, and we're going to look at doing another study tomorrow. Chris will probably be joining me tomorrow afternoon for Isaiah 28 at 3 o'clock Central Standard Time, so you may want to tune in tomorrow afternoon for our study on that, and may the good Lord bless and keep you.